New Jersey's economy, good or not so good? An expert weighs in. This is the Issues Watch podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Kazerman, Vice President of Government Relations at the New Jersey Society of CPAs, and welcome to Episode 29. Our guest today is Michael Lahr, Director of the Rutgers Economic Advisory Service, which is part of the Rutgers University Blaustein School of Planning and Public Policy. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. It's, uh, it's nice being on the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about New Jersey's economy, where it stands now and where it may be headed. In particular, we're going to look at the state's fiscal and tax environment in comparison with our neighboring states. So let's get started. Michael, can you give us a brief overview of the current New Jersey economy? Well, the the economy in general is is very slow right now, and a lot of that's... uh Partly because the nation is slowing down, we we had, uh, and if you just look at population growth as as a key, because that drives a lot of other things here. The uh, population growth rate used to, you know, at least when I first came to New Jersey, was around one percent. It's down to now to about uh, 0.7% within the, uh, the nation, and the U- New Jersey has tend to be about half of the population growth rate of the nation, and that still is the case. We're around. Uh, if it's 0.7% now at the nation, it's around 0.3% now here in New Jersey, just slightly below half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, New Jersey is fairly slow, and, and we see that slowing down in the, even further in the long run, down to about 0.2% over the next uh, 20 years or so. So how does that, I'm just curious, uh, how does that impact the economy when there's a... Well, I mean, if you, if you don't have population growth, it's hard to get job growth. Uh, going along with it. Uh, the only hope we have is that the uh, jobs would be, say, better paying, which, of course, New Jersey has that going on. We're one of the richest states, and certainly on a per capita basis, that's true. And so, and, and I don't think we're going to lose that position real soon. Uh, Connecticut and New Jersey tend to vie for the wealthiest state on a per capita income basis, and, and that will probably continue, partly because we have fairly high labor force participation rates, and part of the reason that's required is because we tend to have fairly high costs of living. Right. And so sometimes you need two salaries to make a household. Right. I, I was just going to point that out. You know, all these different uh, studies and polls always say New Jersey, New York, whatever it might be, you know, have the highest this or the highest that. We pay the most, but it's also everything costs more. Um, well, and, and speaking of paying the most, one of the things, even fiscally, is that, you know, New Jersey, compared to other states, only gets somewhere around 70 cents in a dollar out of Washington. Most other states actually get more than what they put in directly, partly because, uh, you know, there are other sources of funds that the U.S. gets through the ports and whatnot uh, uh, that it's able to bring in money. And so New Jersey, even though we have a port, uh, and we could probably consider that we even contribute to that part of things that are not included as New Jersey contribution to the federal Revenue things. We we only bring in. It used to be fifty cents in a dollar. Now it's gone up to seventy cents. But part of that's we don't have many military bases. We you know don't get many uh, federal grants uh, compared to other places. Uh, we don't get. You know, there's a, just a series of things that we don't get that other states tend to get. And we don't have any many percentage wise really poor people. We have some, but not. Uh, and we try to take care of our own. And so through our you know New Jersey being a little bit more. Uh, let's say liberal as far as helping uh, 
disadvantaged and, and wanting to, uh, we, we didn't do it, and so we tend to take care of them a little bit better through things like ACA, which is Obamacare, and, and other uh, welfare needs. How do we compare to our, our neighboring states in the northeast? Well, I'd say compared to New York, we're not growing as fast, uh, we, but they tend to take care of their own just as well as New Jersey does. I kind of already mentioned uh, Connecticut. It's very similar to us, but a little bit behind on some things, probably growth-wise, doing about the same. Pennsylvania may be growing slightly faster. On the other hand, it's a little bit more of a conservative state just because it's a little bit, you know, you, you have the eastern part, which may be more like uh, southern New Jersey, and then you have uh, what I call Pennsylvania, that part to the west, and then Pittsburgh. Okay, so we're we're pretty even, maybe a little bit, a little bit slower, but nothing. We're that... slower, but we tend to be richer, and that's the main thing. And in fact, one of the things that causes some of that is that you know when we are really rich and wealthy, you know we, we're we're a middle management state for the large part. So we have people come in, say, from, they come in, say, uh, from overseas. We have a, New York's a gateway city. They come into New York. People come in, they're poor. And then the next stage, they move out to the suburbs where their kids can go to good schools. And then they, you know, get a little bit wealthier or they retire and they move out of state. So we have this thing of, we bring it, people who move into the state tend to be poorer than the people that move out of the state. And we tend to have a net loss of income in that game, not because we have more people losing, just because the people who leave are that much richer than the people who come in. Yeah, I, I uh, personally seen this. Um, all the uh, older people I know who are retiring, and these days they're not that much older than me, um, 90% of them are moving out of the state. Are there... you know, And you only need to do that for something like one hand, 83 days a year. Right, which is exactly what they're doing. If you go to Florida, you go there for 183 days a year, and you hear the other 182, you're, as far as law is concerned, a Florida resident, and you don't pay taxes there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. What do you see as the outlook economically for New Jersey uh, for, like, the next one to three years? Well, I mean, basically, you know, Depending upon the national economy, if the national economy, uh, uh, you know, we see a mild recession coming uh, over the course of the next year or so, most economists do and at the national level. There's some who are a little more sanguine, but uh, the large majority of the uh, people at the national level are saying, hey, we're going to see, uh, in general, unemployment rise, we're going to see uh, employment fall a little bit, and uh, and a lot of this is due to drags from the federal economy. We have, you know, while we had a tax cut, which is a good thing, We've uh, not seen the expenditures fall at the federal level, and that's causing, as you may know, something on the order of a one trillion uh, increase in deficit by one trillion dollars a year. So, this is, that indebtedness is overcoming uh, the interest on that indebtedness is overcoming the benefits of the tax cut, and that's why the, we're seeing this likely tanking of the economy, national economy, over the next year. And New Jersey is going to be part of that because a large part of our economy. Well, we're wealthier, and we tend to invest a little bit more in the market. So, if we lose some of our wealth in the market, that makes things a little tighter. Here, people pulling their—at least the people our age uh, who are converging on retirement—may pull our belts in a little bit, move our assets away from the stock market into more fixed funds and that sort of thing. So that means we'll maybe put it into bonds or something else even uh, less uh, lucrative in the long run than that. So that's the kind of thing that we'll be seeing in general, over the course of the next year. 
You know, just as an aside, I find it kind of ironic that, you know, what what is a uh, conservative Congress right now and a conservative president did, like you said, the, the tax cut, which is good for business and individuals too, and yet, you know, the they did policies that made the deficit balloon, but you never hear, (laughs) these are, you know, people who used to be uh, budget deficit hawks, but you know, you don't hear a word about that anymore. But that's, I just find find that a little ironic. It's it's easy to agree that we all don't want more taxes, but it's hard to agree where we don't want to spend them on. All of us have our own wars we want to fight, and we can't agree on that, but we can all agree that we want less taxes. It's easy to say that without accordingly cutting the, uh, uh, the benefits. And that's the hard part is how do you decide where to cut and you know, how, where else can you grab revenues to help uh, those areas where you're not getting cuts. And that's one of the things that our president's trying to do, but he's doing it in goofy, to me, what I determine economic identifies goofy ways, which creates even more economic uncertainty, these trade wars in general and, and saying things to foreign nations who are good trade partners. These are things that create greater uncertainty for business. And so for a guy who was touted as the businessman's president, I have he's created more uncertainty in the markets and in everything else than any other president in my lifetime that I can recall. And, I, you know, I, I, I always thought that one of the things that businesses look for from government is increased, you know, the decrease in uncertainty. And that's not what he's bringing to the table, unfortunately. And that's one of the other things that's likely to cause a weakening of the economy. We're starting to see that now with regard to the trade war with China in particular. Yeah, it seems like uh, every week, uh, you know, you see in the papers, you know, such and such an action that they're meeting with the Chinese or whatever, the market rebounds, then the next week they say, no, we're going to do tariffs, and then it goes down. It, it, uh, it, and, and, you know, it, it's the uncertainty that bothers me, you know, if there wasn't such fence sitting as you're suggesting, I think you know. I'm not saying you conserve it or not. Uh, it's one could argue then if he was just had one line, at least he's creating certainty, and that's right. what business likes. Right. Uh, you may not agree with the policy uh, if you're a liberal or conservative, but certainty is certainty is good for business as long as you know that things aren't going to change. That's good. Or if you know the direction has changed, you can then make your investments accordingly. Right. The the flip-flopping, the, the, the variance, that's not good for my business. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have higher taxes from the Federal Reserve Bank. I don't know if I'm going to be having higher prices on my supplies. I don't know if, if I sell something, whether it's going to cost more in China now, which is becoming a larger and larger part of our market share. I mean, these things are all problematic, not to mention our relationship with Europe and, and Brexit and all these other things that are outside of our control that are causing variations. So let's talk a little bit about New Jersey's fiscal condition. We recently polled our members and their greatest concern in operating a business in New Jersey over the next 12 months is the uh, state's fiscal the state's fiscal condition. For the first time ever, taxes was not at the top uh, of their responses and we've done we've done these polls uh, for many years, although taxes was a close second. Can you give us an overview of New Jersey's fiscal condition? Well, I 
um, you know, I can give you a very, you know, I can mention the uh, high or maybe I should call them low points and in, 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 in the rationales, you know, I, one, I, I, if you recall, I, I told you your readership seems to be better informed than the average New Jersey, which I'm sure they are because of uh, you and your crew. But uh, the, you know, a lot of, one of the things is uh, Senator Sweeney has been making clear uh, that we have uh, uh fiscal issue on a horizon through many things. One is is, is due to the uh, nature of the health care plan that the state has provided, and they've made some adjustments to that already, I believe. And and the other one was that uh, they, we have some problems with regard to the pension program, which has yeah. not been adjusted yet. The, the pension program, uh, well, okay, now in the next couple of years, uh, you know, there's some bonds that need to be paid back, and the the cost, you know, things that occurred during the Whitman administration that are coming home to roost now. In other words, there were debt that didn't need to be paid. Suddenly, we're going to have those. It's all going on to the books again, and it's going to be hard to refinance yet again. I mean, these kind of things can, you know, you can refinance them once, and refinancing them another time becomes much more problematic. So somehow, these these issues from something 20 some years ago are uh, coming home to roost, and uh, the state's got to deal with them now. There's some added issues to that. That is, again, something that happened, say, perhaps after Whitman. I can't recall because uh, this is an area where I was just coming into the state. I came to the state 25 years ago. Um, the, the 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 point was that when at some point along the line, they changed the benefit program and made it a little bit easier to access that people could get it at the age of 55. Yep. And at the same time, basically changing it by five years. And then they also increased the benefits by something like 10%. So the combination was we had this huge sudden burst in the uh, number of people who could qualify and get the pension basically till the, the normal time. And so those those expansions caused it. And in addition, uh, this is for even local government, the state pays the local government uh, uh, benefits. So the pen, you know, not the pension program, but the benefits. So in many ways, the, the, you know, when the local governments and you know, this includes school districts negotiate with teachers, they're not negotiating the benefits because those are automatic and go to state. So they don't negotiate those. So the state pays you and I as we pay those no matter what, uh, depending you know, and they're non-negotiated, uh, which is kind of an unusual thing. That was something that they occurred because at the time the local governments were running into problems and you know, paying their. Uh, personnel, and so the state pitched, said they were wealthy at the time, and they said, well, we can help you out. Well, now the state's not that wealthy anymore. Yeah. We should have been done something in the short term, and we've come into a problem where we're all needing to pay those very good, what, what uh, I think Sweeney calls gold star platinum right. uh, versions of the health care and of the uh, other benefits from the state, and in addition, we have this nice pension program that state workers have, and you know, while the rest of have we don't. We no longer pension programs aren't really available most any other place. For example, I get TIAA CREF. I have to, uh, even though I'm with Rutgers State University, ours is a private-funded uh, pension program. We're not part of the state officially, and most of the rest of us have 401ks or something where we put in and maybe a match by a company if we have one at all. Yeah. And so the fact that you know these pension programs are promised amounts based on your actually your last year's pay. Uh, or average in the last three, maybe. The point is, you may have, if you were working $50,000 a year and then your last job you had 100000 that 
that comes in. So people who had second or third, not to mention people who have second or third jobs, they can pull down two or three pensions. Yeah, and there's uh, there are situations, unless they've changed this recently, where somebody doesn't even really retire and still gets their pension. Uh, I think it's the county executive for Essex County. Uh, it could be, and, and this is the thing, if you work for the state, uh, you retire from the state. That doesn't mean you retire from public service or even don't have another job. Right, so this right. Is, and this is one of the other things. You may have been a, let's say, a staffer, and then some of you, you leave the state government service, and you sit, like I said, you're working 50000 Now you come in and you're, you become uh, work for three years uh, under uh, as a non-civil servant, as an appointee, and you get the job you were as an appointee. You get the the benefits, not the, the pension program, as you were as the appointee, not as you were as a regular worker. That basically, those three years now, the last three years you worked, weigh in on everything. Yeah, I, I want. And, and unlike like our, your Social Security, which is you know based on the amount of time you paid in and and does go up with your last salary, but doesn't go up by the amount of your last salary. Like all these things came together as a, they're coming together all at once, and we're going to hear, be, you know, there's going to be some, it's going to be interesting to see how our assemblymen and, and Senate uh, balance the budget along with the government in the next couple of years, because it's going to be a real impossible test. Yeah, well, personally, I, I think we're we're in a sort of a deadlock situation where I don't think that this governor would ever, um, you know, cut benefits in any significant way for public workers. On the other hand, you know, Steve Sweeney and probably the Assembly Speaker are basically saying, well, we're never going to do tax increases. So this is going to be an interesting, you know, two years. And there were some things proposed by... State Senator Sweeney and others on how we might be able to accommodate that. For example, there's some things, there's some, uh, I don't know, I won't kind of call them tricks, but there's some things that, that were proposed in his uh, uh, program uh, that are interesting. One is which, you know, the state doesn't know all of its assets that it has. I mean, it has never done an accounting of its assets. And some of those assets, you know, things like the turnpike, uh, is, is an asset. Uh, state parks are an asset, but you know some of these things actually are income-producing assets, like the turnpike. And there's some things that we could do to use those assets to offset some of that debt. Right. You know, these aren't tricks. These are things. You know, you, usually we use our assets to offset debt. So there's some things that can prove our credit rating that could be used to then uh, pay or in the long run pay off that debt. Right, I think they uh, did that with the lottery or something like that right, a few right. years and, ago. And they certainly have done it elsewhere. They've done it, you know, these kind of things elsewhere. And, and we don't know, all, you know, there may be some things that even the state is even renting now, they're not including on their, as, on their books as assets. And so they're income producing, but, you know, they aren't listed as a set of assets to offset some of the debt. So they, my point is there, there is some movement to look at what those uh, assets are, and it, it's something that I think the state may be undergoing now. At least Sweeney was going to suggest that. Yeah, and, and that that doesn't uh, threaten public workers or anybody. No, no, no. But th- of course, that would only deal with something like fifty percent of our current income. Yeah. So you still something else needs to be done, and and uh, and one of the things, of course, would be anybody hired from here on out uh, would get 
a type B type benefit program. And I yep. think this is what's start, starting to be done within the state. Is that you, yeah. you don't get the the benefits that current state workers, or at least not certainly not the the uh, um, pension program. You would you know do something like a TIA craft. You get a four hundred one k that you privately invest in if you're hired from here on out. The point, in part, being that some state workers, it's, the payment of pay state workers is a little bit more on parity with the private sector than it used to be. Um, and it's yeah. not quite there, but it's much closer. One of the things that used to be is that you wouldn't get paid well by the state, but you get good benefits. So well, now yes. the benefits are really quite a bit better than most private uh, workers. In fact, you could downscale it and people would still be happy. So the, the idea is let's downscale some of the benefits, maybe move the pension program into a private, but, but not for current workers. Now, right. people be grandfathered in, only people from a certain stage on. So they, they know what they're getting as they come in. Yeah. I think that movement probably would be smart and would also free up things in the long run. And you could also let current pension workers opt into the private program, which may be much more lucrative. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, well, unfortunately, the governor, my understanding at least, is that the governor and the, and the public worker unions uh, have said, no way to the idea that new workers, uh, new employees would come in under these new plans, which I've always thought, and I'm probably missing something here, like, what do they care? It doesn't affect the current employees, and it's only for the future, and something needs to be done. And I still don't have the answer to why they're so opposed to that. Um, But like you said, the Sweeney plan and the um, there was another uh, commission that looked at pension and health benefits. I think Tom Byrne was on it, had the same recommendation, but they're very opposed to that. Um, well, I can understand why the unions would be, right? Because it's their future rank. It's their future and they're trying to draw the hard line. There's, you know, and also they don't want the state to back out of providing the but it's essential, you know, the teachers union and the any uh, uh, policemen's unions you know, at the local level, they don't want to have the state pull out. The state's a nice, steady fund compared yeah. to the local government. Right, and so right. So they want the local government, you know, I can understand why the teachers' union wouldn't want that to happen. It makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, you know, at some point, they're, they would, it seems to me they would want to give in because otherwise they're going to have to give breakdown across the board and their right. current membership would have to lose something. Right, you know, right. And it's always better to hit the new people than the current people, or at least... Well, it makes economic sense, but, you know, you can imagine they, like I said, they don't want to have such a division within their ranks. Maybe you have to pay the people more. If you pay the people more rather than giving health benefits, hey, that might be the way to go if you're worried about it. That means you have to have the budget now, though. And that's the thing, is rather than putting everything off, as I I told Sweeney when I was part of that committee, is that, you know, this reminds me of uh, when... Our uh, former governor Christie, you know, got the Super Bowl. It sounded like it was a great thing. Who could who could be say no to the Super Bowl? Well, on the other hand, you know, the state of New Jersey paid out the wazoo for that and didn't get much in the way of benefits because almost all the party was in New York City. Oh yeah, all the yeah, costs were yeah. in the state. Right, I forgot about that. And that's and that's the same kind of thing here. Well, you know, hey, let's you know, it's easy to give up things now, but somewhere along the line, we're going to have to pay, and that's why we're in the fiscal situation we are now. Like I said, the, the roosters come home, uh, and it's uh, now time to you know, feed them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. 
So let me ask you an elementary question, um, but one which I'm not sure that everybody uh, is aware of. Can you tell me, you know, sort of specifically how the state's fiscal condition, how it has an impact on businesses and the economy? Well, I mean, it has to do just with the level of services the state can provide for one. I mean, you know, while it might mean uh, one of the things it won't do, uh, they'll never take away from uh, tax collection. So uh, while you might hope they wouldn't uh, be vigilant about tax collection, that's the one part they're not going to get rid of. But what they might get rid of is you might have more potholes in the street. You might have uh, uh, less uh, good service elsewhere that this is the you know all those things we expect you know better business bureau um you name all those consumer type things also costs at prisons i mean we you know, we we want the people to if they're bad to be locked up if we have to let them out early that's another thing most of the things we're going to have are generally not necessarily <laughs> tend to be things that are already on the verge of uh being a problem now we're going to create bigger problems potentially Okay, let's take, let's take a look at the impact of taxes. The Tax Foundation's latest uh, tax climate index for businesses, it just came out. And not surprisingly, New Jersey came in dead last. Uh, and I, I think they're always either last or amongst the, amongst the uh, three lowest in just about any tax-related poll. And the report says that the states in the bottom 10 tend to have a number of afflictions in common, including complex non-neutral taxes with comparatively high rates. So just how bad or good are New Jersey's taxes compared to our neighboring states? Well, I you know, you just looking at gas tax for one, for example, New York and uh, Pennsylvania have higher ones. So in that vein, uh, we can't complain too much, although those are two of the highest states in the union, so that's one of the issues. Uh, when it comes to property taxes, well, we have probably have a higher share of uh, our taxes in the form of property taxes, which are you know, somewhat regressive in a way. That is, you know, everybody... Even renters pay property tax through their rent, and so if you know if your rent is a larger portion of your income, which it tends to be, uh, it's it's not in a good direction. So we you know we'd rather not have it uh, in property taxes because the good times are bad. Uh, even this past recession, what happens is the you know municipalities have to budget you know balance their budget, so tax rates go up in bad times because they need to you know even when properties decline in value that they increase the tax rate even higher and they rarely come back down yeah that well <laughs> tax yeah. rates are hard to bring yep. back down yep and so this is one of the things on the other hand in new jerseyans compared to other states because we're a wealthy state expect more from our public school districts we want yep. to have the best schools i mean do you do you live in West Windsor? Do you live in Princeton? Do you live in Morristown? Do you live in Morristown? Do you, where, you know, do you live in Hatfield? If you don't live in those, you know, wow, geez, you know, you aren't well doing the best for your child. That's kind of the, the attitude in New Jersey. I didn't even know about quality of school districts when I was raised in Pennsylvania. Uh, so these are things that, you know, have become paramount and always have been in New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the states with the most private schools. 
And so it's partly because we're near Philadelphia and New York, and people send their kids from those cities out to the countryside. But New Jersey was the place. I mean, Pennsylvania does not have many private schools around Philadelphia. Um, I'm sure there's some in New York for sure, but New Jersey yeah. has by far a great, much greater density of private schools. And well, that's that means interesting. the wealthy are you know, contributing to the, the – if they're sending their kids to private school, they're contributing to the, the public good at the same time not sending their kids there. Right, which is right. Good for the rest of us. Yep. But it means their tax rates are extraordinarily high as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, we hear a lot about uh, property tax impact on homeowners, but they don't seem to talk much about its impact on businesses in the media. But I would assume that it's a big problem for businesses also, or, or am I missing something? track of what's been going on the incentives down in Camden. That's they, pretty you know, impossible, can, not. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, so uh, the story, and that's another pot of funds that, although they've yet to be paid, it's going to be coming home to roost as long as those companies uh, demand those uh, uh, tax abatements that they're due, so uh, from the uh, state government. But there, they've you know given, t- you know, basically, without the local government say so, it, originally, I think the these Camden alternatives were all supposed to get these payments, get payments in lieu of taxes. But that was the intention. But because their their taxes are foregone, um, and yet they never had to negotiate any you know payment. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's usually have payments in lieu of taxes. So, so say you set up a business, you say, hey, look, I'll make you know put up a couple traffic lights, put in a new road. I'll make sure that's paid as long as I don't need to pay taxes for the next X years. Well. These groups got, you know, 20 to 30 years tax-free from the city of Camden, and that was really all that Camden could expect to get out of these new investments. The idea is to put investment in Camden, but they're not getting jobs, or very few of them, and now they're not getting property taxes. What could, what is Camden supposed to get out of this deal outside of a new building, which is not theirs but belongs to some company? It was never clear. So that's that's the the bad part of those things. So right. yes, there there are problems with uh, you know business are taking advantage of that, and that's you know who wouldn't if you can right. if the legal the legislation let you, and the legislation did. So you know why you want to fault them now if they lied in the process, which is what some people are saying. The Norcross Group and a couple others right. do. I don't don't know. Well then, then we reach a whole other. Uh, kettle of fish. I mean, yeah. basically, you know, EDAs you know, did everything but have them swear in a stack of Bibles, but they did get them to say, yes, honestly, we, you know, we got the president of it or the highest executive saying, yes, we would not have made this move but for that tax. Right, right, right. And, and that's all they can, you know, outside of that and a letter that says so, what can we do? You know, if the person yeah. lies, and they, you know, they had to provide two other alternative locations that they checked, the fact that some of these were, you know, look, if you ask me to provide those, I can, you know, for $100,000, I'm sure, get some consulting firm to dig up two other properties, provide me a pro forma on them and what the options were, and and I get $5 million worth of practice. So that's $100,000 worth my investment? I think so. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I'm not saying that people lie, but my point is... You could, if you no, wanted you know, to. Outside of a promise, there's yeah. not a whole lot that uh, the EDA can get. And right, that's true. And there are some ways to do it with this, like a clawback or some other way to prove if you don't meet the obligations, 
or the other one which I suggested to them because uh, we did a uh, report was raise that cost benefit ratio make sure that you get five dollars for everyone you invest but that's that's about taxes and it's not about property taxes yeah so let me uh, just go um, sort of in a, in a, a different direction not really looking at government's role uh, something I've always been curious about the uh, legalized sports betting now in New Jersey is that a significant contribution to the state's economy if not the state how about Atlantic City has it really helped Atlantic City well so far it's too young um, the question is even you know forget sports betting but what about online betting right now online betting itself in general is only about the amount of one casino, say 200 million a year in gaming revenue. It's not very large. New Jersey has 2.8 million, uh, way down from what it was 8 million in 2008, but it's mm-hmm. a pretty large, you know, sum of money compared to, you know, let's say this online betting's, you know, about 10% of, of even less than 10% of the, all of the thing. And sports betting's another 10% of that. I mean, it's really, small we're only dealing with 20 million dollars oh, at least in the okay. first couple you know it, it's that small in comparison it, that's you know 20 million yeah i wouldn't mind 20 million myself but my point is for you know multi-firm business many firms involved in that it, you know it's competitive but it's not bringing that much dough yet got it it's got only it. been around what a year or so so right it's not enough to really get a good idea where it's going to lead um, certainly, you know, there are not many other states involved. It, you know, my thing is in the long haul. I'm not even sure that online betting will work. Uh, the nice thing about the both of them is that you have to be in the state of New Jersey in order to do it. But I don't think either of them is really creating many jobs here since they're mostly online. They're probably uh, being channeled here. They're being taxed here. But in the end, wherever they you know, the the uh, the makers are uh, bookmakers are. are Living is probably not yeah. in Atlantic City. The servers certainly aren't in Atlantic yeah. City, or they may be in Atlantic City, but the people writing the software probably for the on, online betting are probably still in Costa Rica. Uh, they're right. still, you know, uh, you know, it's not creating that many jobs here uh, outside of the tax revenue, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, that's helping yeah. the state in some way. Yeah. So I would assume that uh, if cannabis uh, marijuana becomes legal that that would have uh, much more of an impact than uh, the gambling. Does that sound right to you? I mean, what kind of... Well, I, I would certainly think so. I mean, you know, on the other hand, you know, let's say recreational, I'd be more likely to use cannabis than go out gambling. That's probably <laughs> the statistician. Hey, I'm with and, you. And I, know, I know that the casinos are not in business to make me rich. Right, right, right. But, I mean, we have a... Uh, cannabis interest group and i would say that that is probably our largest committee with a couple hundred people and they as well as obviously a lot of their clients seem to be uh very eager to join that industry once it becomes legal do you think that again if it became legal that it would have a very big impact on new new jersey's economy well it depends on the tax rate they put on it you know if they do anything like the tax uh taxes on cigarettes uh, you know wouldn't be 
impossible. I think it certainly would have a decent impact. I don't know how strong of one it needs to be. It would certainly fill in some gaps, but I don't think it would be strong enough to close the fiscal situation. Again, it's, you know, it, it might be substantial. I, I don't, outside of Colorado, like I don't know at this point what California's legalization scheme did. I know in, in Colorado it was important, but they were the first state in the game. And when you're the first state in the game, you get, you know, everybody coming in. Right. To Colorado to buy the stuff, and then going home to you know Montana or Washington State or California uh, to get your buzz on. <laughs> you know what? It's good we didn't have uh, legal cannabis here when I was in high school and college, or I may never have graduated. Well, uh, there's there's always that problem. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, the picture in New Jersey. Overall, I guess. It isn't pretty. Uh, well, it's not pretty in the long run, and like I said, it's you know if you take a look at the national economy and assume everything is going to be half of that except our wealth, uh, that's right. the way to look at it. Our personal income growth will probably be the, about the same or just below the nations, but that's because we're so much wealthier, mm-hmm. and and there, you know we can we can that growth is fairly high the per capita income growth, but the rest is going to be a little sorry, and, and while we may see some things expand, uh, there's certain areas like uh, manufacturing for sure won't be good. But on the other hand, some of our venture capital and everything doing finances may yep. look rosier. Right. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your insights with uh, our listeners, and okay. thank you for joining us, and uh, we you. hope to have you again in the future. Sure. Always welcome to be on. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. I hope you found it interesting and informative. If you like the Issues Watch podcast, you can subscribe for free on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening.